this is where in the axe world we don't follow any of the rules because in a normal collection like tools or antique cars or whatever whatever you might be where they're grading things it impacts the value of what that item is busted Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we hope that you are ready for the best show in all the land. With the Axe King, Mike Miller, the Handle King, Chris Killinger, we bring to you your Legitimate Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Myself and Killer talk about a little bit of a sensitive topic today as far as what exactly is new old stock and some of the other grading scales that are used on axes. So we just wanted to discuss what is the actual difference between old and new. Give it a listen. Let us know what you think. Thanks. Hello, first grade. Well, this week we will learn about old and new, how things were in the past and have changed through the years and how those same things look now. Kind of meditating on it while reading some scripture, I uh, kind of felt the Spirit of the Lord kind of pose a question to me. Is it really new or is it old? Is it old or is it new? So it's along these lines that I'm going to be coming to you. All right, everybody, welcome to the Miller and Killer Show on your favorite show in all the land. The Legitimus Podcast. We appreciate everybody taking time, listening to us, and giving us a little piece of your day here, whether uh, you're on the commute or whatever you are doing, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Uh, we'll have myself, as always, Mike Miller, and we will have the Handle King, Chris Killinger. What's up? With us today on our show, as always. Um, hopefully, everybody had a great Mother's Day. And that uh, you guys took the time, make sure that you appreciate all the mothers out there and all the hard work that they do. Lord knows that their job is definitely one of a kind, and uh, we can never fully understand it. But uh, what we're going to get into today, we're going to talk about some updates. Um, we're going to talk about what's been going on. I'll give you a little bit of an update with what we found out on a couple different things here, acts history related. But then what we wanted to talk about today is uh, something that obviously is a little near and dear to my heart. Killer and I have been throwing around here for a little bit is a discussion on what actually does new old stock mean? What are the different, I guess, grades of the quality of the acts that you might have? And there's going to be a lot of different variables to this. Um, first thing we're going to do, or I'm going to do at least, is that we're going to put a disclaimer in here. So we are not grading professionals. Um, I don't have any kind of degree or expertise or anything like that. Uh, I'm pretty sure the killer doesn't either. What we have are our opinions, and we're going to use a couple references here that we've found. We're going to talk about different things, and we're going to open this up for discussion. Um, this isn't going to maybe sit well with some people that think that they have new old stock pieces, and maybe after the discussion, maybe now the realization is, is that it's not new old stock, and that's okay. Believe me, if there's anybody that's going to come to a realization about uh, 
quality and level and grading and uh, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be me. And, and I'm all right with that because I think it's a topic that needs to be talked about. I've seen it on a lot of the different platforms, social media, eBay. Guys actually say or qualify as new old stock when in reality it, it's not new old stock, and that's okay. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to discuss it, and we're going to see what we can come uh, to a conclusion, which we won't. But we're going to see what we can uh, try and find out with that. So, Killer Buddy, what's the quick update out in Ohio? Uh, well, we're back to winter. We got snow and cold weather. Had the fireplace running all weekend. I'm not quite sure how global warming plays into all this, but I, I, that's what the experts tell me. Um, I can't remember in my lifetime seeing snow in May. It is pretty amazing. I, I tell this story just real quick. Um, one time I was up in the Allegheny National Forest. We were at camp. Uh, we were having a you know a little campfire cookout, and there was an older couple up there that told me that they remembered snow in Pennsylvania on Memorial Day. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't looked it up. I'm not going to go look it up, but... Yeah. I don't I don't remember snow in May either as far as I can remember but yeah you bring up a good point like what the heck is going on man like you know is it weather or is this you know maybe this is to try and keep the murder hornets away I think we need a do over on 2020 Oh jeez let's let's not go there I think something happened New Year's Day or New Year's Eve so this is the curse of the 20s Let's not go there man but how about the, everybody? Uh, everybody good at the household? Good Mother's Day. The goats doing okay. Yeah, Tiff had a, a good Mother's Day. Um, she cooked for us, <laughs> <laughs> but it's what she wanted to eat, so whatever. Um, goats are doing good. Uh, they need moved. I need to move them. I say that all the time, but it's it. It really is a constant thing with those guys. Um, you gotta keep them moving or they, they start tearing up stuff. Um, chickens and turkeys are getting big. I'm getting ready to build a little chicken tractor for them. Get them out of my garage. Um, got about a mile long list of things that need to be done and I don't have nowhere near the amount of time I need to do it in. I, I got a vacation coming up next week, so I'm gonna, be hitting it hard. I have to put on my carpenter, carpenter pants and then plumber's pants and then <laughs> farmer's pants and I got, I'm gonna play a lot of roles next week. So then whenever we do the intro then for next week's podcast, that's when I can bring back the, we have our host Chris Killinger and then the 17 different titles that then I can use in on that. That'll really hold true then. Is that is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, yeah. You'll be able to throw landscaper, plumber, carpenter, electrician, yeah. farmer. Landscaper, especially this time of year, man. There's obviously a lot going on. If we can get past this snow, hopefully it didn't, uh, you know, really hurt some of the trees that were starting to bud and some of the flowers and things like that. But I know in the one flower bed I have, there's, there's a cactus back there, and I'm hoping that didn't hurt the cactus but we'll see but so later on this week though it looks like we're going to get back to a little bit of normal um high 60s 70s 
I know it's it's definitely wrecked fishing and everything like that for me, but hopefully this was it, just a little hiccup, and we'll be able to get back to it. So yeah, do see see better weather in the future. <clears throat> Very cool. So um, basically, same over here in Pennsylvania. Um, been trying to you know just sort of get everything acclimated and get schedules right. Good Mother Day weekend. Uh, I did a lot of cooking for Shannon. Uh, quick shout out if. If people don't have it yet, I can't tell you how much that you need to invest in an air fryer. Yeah. Is, is my new favorite thing on the planet. You can put anything that you want in that air fryer. And I'll tell you what is absolutely 1000% better in an air fryer is bacon. Yeah. Bacon's pretty good. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so much easier. It's not splattering all over the place. I mean, you can't really burn it or anything like that. All the mess is contained. It's just the best thing. Like, Shannon got that air fryer. I was like, what is that? That's dumb. Blah, blah, blah. Like, we've been cooking chicken and chicken wings and fish and, I don't know, you name it, it goes in there, and it is absolutely delicious. So that's that's my quick plug for an air fryer. I'm with you on that. It's a life changer. Um, the other thing I like to do, too, is I'll throw chicken wings in the smoker, and then I'll pull them out of the smoker, throw them in the air fryer real quick, and crisp up, and then, man, they're delicious. So, okay. anyways, enough about food, or else we'll be cutting this short, because I'll be stuffing my face. All right. Um, so, let's see here. So, quick update on what we've been talking about here, maybe over the last couple podcasts, some things that we found out. Uh, King Cutter Winchester, been getting a lot of inquiries about that. Um, obviously, held up a little bit with this whole corona thing, which that's the only time I'm mentioning corona. I guess maybe that's twice now on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, as things we get going, uh, the research is going to deepen in on that. What I will say is that we have found some new information that will help us to understand the whole transition a little bit better, especially around, um, you know, say 1920 to 1930, 31, the whole Winchester out of business thing, what that transition piece looked like and where they went. So we have some more information coming on that which uh, we'll, we'll put on, you know, either the next podcast or maybe the podcast after that, just touch base. But that information keeps coming in, and we've got to research and deep dive. Uh, one of the other ones I've been looking at is uh, Standard Axe and Tool. They were out of Ridgeway, Pennsylvania, and they were bought by Warren Axe and Tool Company. And if you look at, again, the information that we have out there, that says that that happened in 1912. Uh, but basically what I've been able to find and, and see is that their building was vacant in 1909, three years prior to whenever they were taken over. Um, what does that mean exactly? I don't know. I don't know if they had relocated or whatever. So we're still digging in on that, but I'll be able to find out uh, some more info on that. That's a little near and dear to my heart. It's not that far away from me. Uh, supposedly, as the story goes, Warren bought them out and then took all their manufacturing items and uh, capabilities moved it to Canada where then they started that Canadian Warren and that whole story up there with the equipment that they took from standard out of Ridgeway, Pennsylvania. A little bit more to come with that, but what we're finding is that everything, not everything, but some of the things that we've been told, read, educated on is not necessarily true, which we've sort of known that by now. Um, updates coming on Kelly, an American Axe and Tool Company. This is what they call a cluster uh, in the best sense of the word. There's more stuff going on with them than what I ever found possible. So I'm going to continue to dig and find out what we can there. I'm not sure if you guys saw, you know, I was able to visit the 
the uh, the plant down in Glassport is still there. Uh, the plant Beaver Falls, as we've talked about, is not there. But um, very, very interesting. Again, close to my heart because it is in proximity, and we'll find out more there. Now, one of the things then we just found out here a couple of days ago, looking at some true temper catalogs, uh, as Keller said, you know, because it was snowing and blowing and cold outside, is that I have a true temper catalog from 1973, and it has the good old Tommy Axe in there. Uh, we have one then from 1975 that I have. Guess what? No Tommy Axe. Uh, Brent Freeman or Freebie, my arch nemesis slash good buddy, has one from then 77, and they were not in there either. So it looks like Tommy Axe, to a certain degree, then we can say was before 1973, which we sort of all knew, but I didn't really know what the what the end time was there with that. Um, we'll get into then what the line looked like with Perfect, Flint Edge, and Wood Slasher. It looks like Wood Slashers then were were the only ones available after 1977. Uh, so there's a little bit going on with that, but that's uh, just sort of the quick axe update with what we had going on there. Um, Killer, what do you got for an update, man? I've been seeing some leather products come out your way. Where, where are we at with handles and, and the like? Uh, no handles. Uh, there are some ads handles on my uh, Etsy shop. It was, it's kind of a trial run, um, whether there's a market for them or not. It's not looking like it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I might not ever get the ads handles again. It's just it's hard for me to, to justify the, the money in the space. So if you need an ads handle, check out my Etsy shop. Um, but otherwise, uh, I'm still waiting for the, the good Amish folks to give me a call and let me know they got a, a pile of handles. Uh, I never know when I'm going to get them. I never know how many I'm going to get or what I'm going to get. It's They just work off the list that I've accumulated over the years. Um, I will I will say this. We discontinued the 36-inch handle. Um, I've had a couple people ask me, not, not many, but there was a couple. And the reason why is I would get the 36s in, and they'd always be the last ones to sell. <coughs> Excuse me. Nobody... Nobody would pie them. So I decided instead of wasting the wood on the 36, we'd just, we'd concentrate on the, the 32s and the 30s and 28s. That seems to be what everybody wants. Um, but we used to have a really nice 36 inch handle. Now, which is, which that's actually pretty interesting that you bring that up because, you know, I guess if you say, like in, in our lifetime, as far as like what we know the axe to be, um, you know, 36 was always the standard, right? Like that's pretty much the only way that you could get it. Like if you went to, you know, I guess like a, you know, hardware store or right, you know, Home Depot, True Value, whatever. Uh, but now you sort of see the reemergence of guys wanting the 32 and the 30. So do you think that's from, like, what, what would you say the reasoning is for that? Like the, performance they just want something different like what do you think's going on there i'm not quite sure i mean i kind of bounce back and forth there's certain axes i want a 36 inch and there's certain axes i'm more comfortable with a 30 or even a 28 um but i don't i don't get to use axes enough to really have a strong opinion on what works better um i know for splitting i prefer a longer hand other than that, uh, maybe bucking 
I guess it depends on your height, where you're at, what's comfortable for you. I don't know. It yeah, is, I mean, is kind of weird, and it, it's a shame because the 36s that I was selling were exact copies of vintage 36-inch handles. They're gorgeous handles. But like I said, we got to be careful. There's only so much wood available. <laughs> if you want... If you want the straight grain and no knots and, and textbook um, internet perfect handles, there's only so much of it available to make handles out of. So, so now to your point, just saying that. So, would you be more? And I don't know if there's an answer for this, but would it be easier to produce what we call a quote unquote internet perfect handle in a 30 or 32? Versus the 36 because you have less room for air. Does that sound right or am I, am I crazy? That's probably, that's probably a factor. Okay. You cut out the bad spots. And... Yeah. All right. Well, especially today because again, unless you've got guys that are really, you know, deep diving and, and making that a priority, you know, a lot of those other handle manufacturers, man, they're just there to, you know, to just put a handle on it, so to speak. And we've seen that. You see it in Home Depot, Lowe's, and, you know, some of the other places, but, um, so that's good that, uh, you know, paying, paying attention and, uh, I'm sure that the public, man, they'll be ready once the Etsy page gets fired back up. So, yeah. And otherwise I've, I've been making belts and suspenders pretty steady. <clears throat> suspenders slow down a lot, but, um, belts seem to just keep going. I, it's, that's one of those things that always blows my mind. I, cause I, I used to think I could make belts, but why would I? Like, you could just go to Walmart and buy a belt. And, and then I found myself in a, a situation where I wanted a better belt and couldn't just go to the store and buy it. And uh, that's how I started making the Killinger Forever belt. And, and people really, really seem to like them. I get a ton of feedback about them. Well, obviously, then I'll hop on that train because you know that the one that I have, I wear it every single day, and I know I know a thing or two about Walmart and some of their products, and <laughs> and I've had a Walmart belt before, uh, actually more than one, and they are junk. Those Walmart belts are junk, and it, you know Walmart, I'm sure, any of the other ones, Target, whoever you want to put in there, you know they'll they'll crack, they split, um, they they, not they keep. They, yeah, they, they they keep that same form, like, you know, stuff like that. That one that I have of yours is absolutely tremendous. I mean, it's it's a little bit, you know, wider. Um, it's a little bit thicker. Uh, takes a little bit of time to break in. Um, nothing major. But, man, it's that thing is an absolute piece of work. And, yeah, it, it is a forever belt. So, But I would highly recommend your belt. You know, over any of those ones that you can purchase in just about any shop, wherever it is. So, yeah, those will be good. And guys, if you haven't checked those out yet, hit him up. And, uh, those belts, I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. They're, they're awesome. But, all right. So let's get right into this. Let's talk about some axes and, uh, Killin, Killinger, lead us off here. So like we're going to be talking about this, uh, you know, new old stock, different grading, things like that. Get us going on this. All right. So first off, let's let's start it off with guys. We're not experts. M- Miller is probably the closest to an axe ex- expert you could ever get. <laughs> but 
with that being said, we're not we're not at experts on the, the whole grading thing. I don't think anybody is. And I, I know in the acts world, there's a lot of things that that get overlooked that wouldn't get overlooked in any other antique tool. Um, like um, we get away we get away with a lot in the axe world, which is fine. I think, I think, I think it's good. I mean, you know, we're just, I guess a different breed. (laughs) So don't take any of this stuff to heart that we're going to say. We're just discussing it. We're, we're throwing ideas out there. um, Trying to get a feel for what, what the grading would be and what that means in the axe world. But if you were, if you were in any other hobby, let's say antique tools or antique t- cars or any of that stuff, like if you took a, an original Stanley plane and you stripped it down to bare metal, you just destroyed the value of that plane. In the axe world, you can take an axe and mere polish it and increase the value of it somehow. <laughs> so, um, don't take any of this stuff to heart, but. I guess what we're, we're starting with is, is what is new old stock, you know, to us? You know, we, you see it all the time, new old stock, new old stock. But what does that mean, really? And are we getting away with a little more than, than what we probably should? I think that you bring up a good point because, obviously, a lot of guys have thrown around the term new old stock. You see it out there. You see it on all the different platforms, Instagram, the various groups that are on Facebook. You see it on eBay a ton, right? And I've seen many an item on eBay as far as in the axe world that is nowhere close to what new old stock should be. So what should it be? What does that actually mean? Is there a hardcore definition that we can go with? And depending on where you go, who you talk to, what you look at, you're probably going to find some variables there. Uh, so we were looking around, you know, we were talking about it. And so we found a couple references here. And again, this is all, again, we're not laying anything out in stone. This is not set forever. This is meant more to have a discussion about this and what this all entails. And maybe, you know, we, we need to just sort of think about things a little bit more. So you will be able to find different grading systems, um, different organizations, things like that, especially if you're talking, you know, uh, Another term that gets thrown around, museum quality, that has a whole different, you know, potential if we're talking about terms and, and grading. So this whole thing can get quite confusing. Um, but we found this one that seemed to be, uh, just seemed to, I don't want to say general, but it seemed to fit like what we're talking about and what Killer and I sort of discussed as far as maybe some of the grades or the levels or whatever you wanted to talk about. So, Killer, I'm going to read off to you what is described as new. You tell me what you think about that. All right. So this says new. It says, this tool is in every way equivalent in condition to the day it was originally sold, as if it was vacuum-packed from the day of manufacture until now. This condition grading should almost never be used, and then really only on 20th century tools. So, in my mind, what I'm picturing is walking into a hardware store, 
and on the shelf is a brand new axe. And in every way, there's no scratches, there's no dings, there's no patina, there's no rust, there's no water stains. The stickers are 100% intact. That's new. As if you could just go buy it brand new. When you buy something new, there's a, a level of, of newness that you expect, right? You don't buy something off of Amazon and it says new and you get it and the package is missing. Is that new? I, I don't, I wouldn't, I, I would certainly be met, uh, a little upset that I paid new price for an open package. I mean, that's not really acceptable to us nowadays. We, when we buy something new, we want brand new in the package or in the original packaging. Now, axes may or may not have come. They probably didn't come in packaging. I mean, there's a handful that did, but um, <clears throat> think about if you go to a hardware store now, they sell, let's say, oh, let, okay, council tool. Let's say council tools are on the shelf at the hardware store. They're all new, but if one has rust on it, you're not going to buy that one, right? More than likely not. Yeah. You're going to wait until they put that on the the clearance rack or something. That's no longer new. Grants Forge Brooks axes all come when they're new. They come, you know, with a little booklet and a and a sheath that's not cut, and you know, it's new. <laughs> it's not. Oh, it's got a partial sticker and, you know, maybe the booklet's missing and it's still new. No, you're not going to pay full price for that. You, it, especially if you have a choice. If there's 10 of them there and one's missing the book, you're not taking the one missing the book. So in my mind, it's, it's new. There, there's, there's no deviation. It's new, but it, you know, the sticker's kind of roughed up. It's new. <laughs> So, you know, obviously this is something that, that hits near and dear to me because I I love the paper labels. Okay, that's not a secret. Anybody that knows me knows that I love that because I have always wanted that experience exactly to what you talked about earlier, walking into that hardware store in 1895 and seeing that display and there's that beautiful you know, Black Raven or Kelly Registered or, you know, Plum or Warren or whatever it is. Like, that would be an absolute dream that I know is never going to happen. Now, if we're looking at this and this potential, you know, definition or suggestion of what new is, to me, the actual number of axes that are out there then that fit that definition just went down severely. Yeah. And that's not even the right word. Like, like, very severely. Um, who's going to be impacted by this? Well, yours truly, because, um, you know, last time I counted, I had over a hundred paper label axes. And now if I stop and think about this in a museum curator quality Smithsonian, this kind of definition, I'm looking around and I'm like, so I wonder how many that I have that are actually true, truly new old stock. And so, we just went from 109, quote unquote, new old stock paper labels down to about nine, maybe okay. 10. So it's eye opening. It's something that whenever you think about it, and this is why we said, guys, this is open discussion. There's, you know, this is a disclaimer because this can hurt. So you're talking about a guy that just technically 
you know, took his paper label new old stock collection down, what, 90%, right? right. But it's okay because I realized that and with, with what actually is that true definition. But see, uh, this is where in the Axe world we don't follow any of the rules because in a normal collection like tools or antique cars or whatever, whatever you might be where they're grading things, it impacts the value of what that item is. In the Axe world, for whatever reason, <clears throat> even though we took it out of the new old stock category and put it down to probably mint, it's not going to significantly change the value of that axe because people are going to pay whatever they're willing to pay. You know, it, it doesn't, you're not going to have 150 guys walk away from it. Well, he said it was new old stock, but it's, it's really not. Yeah. yeah. Everything through this is going to be subjective to whatever that person deems that it is worth. Right. And so that, that's a whole nother discussion which right. we could have a whole nother podcast on, right? And that's the question that I get a million times. Hey, could you tell me what this is worth? Right. Well, you know, you start putting in the equation and all these different variables and X's and Y's and, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's going to be really up to up to a lot of different people, and I don't know if there is an answer for that. But I think, though, maybe going forward, if we are to try and maybe adopt – a little bit more of the standard grading system whenever we're talking about axes. It, it is, it's going to be a punch in the gut, but hopefully it's very eye opening to, to those people. Like, you know, I've seen some lately where, you know, there's a paper label on an ax and it has like the, the ax is like smudged in on the side, right? Like it's there, but like you got this big smudge mark, like coming in on that. Is that technically new old stock? No. I mean, if we want to really, get down to brass tacks, does that mean that that axe is now worth X amount of dollars less? No. Because if it's rare, if it's scarce, people are going to pay for it. And that, that's just, you know, the way that it is. So <laughs> let's not get too carried away and like, oh, my God, you know, Mike is saying that my axe is not new old stock now. Well, join the club first. And number two, that doesn't necessarily mean anything negative. So this is just more about, you know, if we are to get a little bit more serious with this and talk about what some of these terms mean, let's let's have a little bit more of a basic understanding about it before we start throwing terms around, I think, is where where we're trying to go with it. And it can't help but to have some more information on what some of this stuff means. I mean, I didn't really know about the grading scales. I knew about them and things and sort of read about them. But again, they're sort of subjective. So we will see. But. Again, like, so if I'm looking here, we had done this a little bit earlier, Killer. So, like, if I'm looking around here, I look over here to the to the plumb wall. Uh, what actually qualifies as new old stock now, right? So, and I'll put some pictures out on, on either Instagram or out on Double Bit Axe Company on Facebook and Instagram. But I have a really good example. There's a plumb all-American axe that I have that... It is just about as mint as it can get, but there is a smudge on the label where, like, it looks like somebody took their thumb and and rippled that label. So is that probably now new old stock? No. Is it still in awesome condition and has some value? Yeah, it does. Um, 
probably the one that I would say then that, that fits the bill that meets the criteria is those dreadnought cruisers. Yeah. Um, the, the four that I have have a great paper label on the head. There's no real scratching. The paint on the head is still intact. And then where a lot of these plum guys where you'll see the, the issue, if, again, if we're really splitting hairs is on that yellow permabond sticker that goes down the handle. That is very hard to find that in 100% pristine condition just because of wear and tear, shipping, guys handling the axe, stuff like that. It's hard. Uh, the one that I have, it has a, there's like an air bubble in, in the label. So again, if we really want to get after it and grade it, it's going to grade lower than the other ones. But you know, how many times do you actually see that permabond yellow label going down the handle in its entirety? All right. Well, I have, I have a plum Connie <clears throat> that has the permabond handle. It has the paper label or the foil label on the head and it has the permabond label on the handle, but it's the, the permabond label is in, I would say, maybe 50% of its original label is still there. So obviously it was used. You know, in other words, somebody bought this axe from a hardware store and took it out and used it, but left the labels on. And then it sat in time until, until I got a hold of it. So, you know, from a, a distance, it looks new old stock. But then when you get up close to it, you can see, oh, obviously this thing's been used. You know, the head's, head's got some wear on it from patina. And, you know, once you take that, once you take that factory grind and touch it with anything, wood, a stone, anything, it is no longer new. Um, you can't, it's very difficult to, to reproduce that factory looking grind. Um, on any axe. And if you have a new old stock, a true new old stock axe, you know what I'm talking about. It's very difficult to reproduce that. So yeah, I mean, it, you couldn't, you could not label that as new old stock. You couldn't even, I don't think I could label that one as mint. Um, I, I, I see like a, a bull, a, a and again, we don't have, we don't have this grading system for us. You know, we're kind of just, we're all just winging this. So I would say it's just below mint because it has original labeling and stickers with no major damage and, and, uh, some patina. So, but I could easily see that thing being listed on eBay as new old stock. Sure. It's, Cause I've seen that, I've seen that type of stuff before, I, I don't, but it's not. Does it change the value in my mind? <clears throat> not really. Cause I bought it, right? I bought it off of eBay in that condition. Um, I don't remember what it paid for it, but it wasn't, it wasn't a great amount of money, but it, it wasn't cheap either. You know, it wasn't a $10 ax. So it had value to me. And I guess that's, that's what it comes down to. Exactly. And I think maybe one thing that we need to get out there right now is that what, what, what we're not trying to do is, is try and create this new old stock Gestapo police force 
that is going to go out onto the different platforms. And, and, you know, you might have, you know, Joe, Joe Schmo that comes in and he's relatively new to axes and says, Hey, listen, I got this new old stock Flint edge. And what I don't want to see is, well, that technically is a new old stock because Miller and Keller said show on the show, but, but that's, that's not what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Uh, what we're trying to do is open this up for discussion and say, hey, so, you know, what, what's your guys' take on this? Like, we're using this basic example from a tool um, collector site that gives some grades out, which I, I think if you try and apply it to Axis, it's really eye-opening in a lot of different ways. Uh, some you're going to agree with, some you're not going to agree with, and that's, that's fine. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not here saying that this is the end all for, you know, how this whole thing is going to go down. It's just more about promoting the discussion and saying, hey, let, let's just sort of talk about this a little bit and see what we got. So, um, but to sort of wrap up the, the new piece, uh, and there's going to be different things that go into this and maybe killer, we, we should talk about this because there's going to be different eras with axes, right? So we talk a lot about like the 1800s and like, you know, say pre American axe, so like 1890 and back. Then you got like 1890 through like 1930, and that seems to be like when a lot of the the imprints, the etches, you know, the the fancy, the colors, the paint, blah blah blah. That seems to be when you know the advertising was really hardcore, and they're trying to get their market share. And then like once 1930 hits, you know, American Fork and Hoe actually they they really pare back all their offerings after that. You know, makes sense recession. Economy, time frame, you know, uh, different things that are going into that. Once you get past World War II, you know, they, they, everything just keeps, keeps getting paired back. No more etchings, no more fancy stamps, you know, two line, three line, managed tool, whatever you want to say. So let's just talk. And, and I know, as we said, you know, this hits near and dear to me because as, as I'm looking and I'm like, Oh my God, like my paper labels are now, it has a nick. Oh. We got a scratch in the paint. It's not new old stock now. Oh my God, which I'm okay for. But one of the axes that a lot of guys like, and you're sort of the, uh, the man to talk to here is those Norlands. Yeah. Because now we get into that packaging thing. So why don't you talk about that for a second and what that possibly means here? Well, I will point out, and maybe it's because Norlands on my radar, but it seems to me I have seen more new old stock Norland stuff than anything. I would agree with that, yeah. But the other thing you have to remember is Norland was producing, they were producing axes into the 80s. So it, you know, it's not uncommon to, it's not a far stretch to think that, yeah, people bought this stuff and maybe never used it and, you know, or hardware stores went out of business and, and, uh, the stuff just got lost in the shuffle. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard about a friend knowing a friend with a friend that had a hardware store that they just closed the doors and all the, all the inventory is still there. You know, I have yet to be able to get into one of those places, but I've heard it several times in my, my lifetime. And, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to like, yeah, my grandpa owned this hardware store in 1930 <laughs> and they just closed the doors. You want to go pick it? <laughs> you bring, you bring up a really good point because you see that on American pickers. Or somehow yeah. those guys find where, hey, you know, Grandpa Joe ran this up until 1987, and then they close the doors, and nobody has been in it since 1987. Like, what the <clears throat> heck is going on? 
and I, I have, I have a little bit of experience in this, so to say. I, this kind of falls in line. Back years ago, I owned a franchise. I owned a Cornwall Tool franchise, and when it was when it was time for me to to, to close up shop, um, it was right right when we we're right before our last recession. <clears throat> I, my business wasn't doing good. Things weren't going well. The writing was on the wall. So basically, that's a hardware st- or a tool. It's a tool store on wheels, right? You, you drive around, you sell tools to people, blah, blah, blah. Well, when I closed up my business, I boxed up all my inventory and sent it back to Cornwall. Cornwall then went through that inventory. What was new, they kept. What was truck-worn, they sent back to me. I would say I got back 90% of my inventory. So I had one of two options for that inventory. Just leave it in a box in the corner and forget about it or sell it on eBay. So what my point is, is think of in in that small business, let's say I, I was just over it. I could have easily just thrown it in a box in the corner in the garage and, you know, all these years later discover it and then resell it. You know, that's that's kind of where I'm getting at with these hardware stores. That's where some of this stuff comes from or forgotten inventory, forgotten stuff in the warehouse. You know, that's it kind of puts in perspective like this stuff does happen. It does go on. And that's how you find this stuff. It's just put aside. It's forgotten about. I'll get to it later type of thing. Even like Kmart. Kmart used to sell in Orland, So I don't know. I guess Kmart closing was recent, though, huh? I think, or isn't there still some Kmart's out there? Like, isn't is there it? a few left? I think well, maybe, maybe there is. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know that for a fact either. I know that they've been closing stores left and right, but that whole Sears Kmart, Sears Kmart, you know, I, I thought that there were still some brick and mortar buildings out there, but I I could be wrong on that. Okay, so that brings us back to the Norland thing because Norland got really creative with their packaging. And uh, I don't get it because nobody can see it anyway. Um, what you most commonly commonly see is you have the cardboard background, the Norland axis uh, attached to cardboard background, and then it has shrink wrap over it. Um, if that's 100% intact, that's new old stock. Once you tear the shrink wrap, again, think think about if you were at a store and you were, you were purchasing, let's say you went back to 19, uh, 1980. Let's say you're back in time, 1980, you're at Kmart and you're in the camping section. And you have Norlands sitting there. They were sold at Kmart, right? Mm-hmm. I thought they were. Yeah, that was one of the major outlets for them, actually. You have Norland sitting there in, in 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 that packaging, cardboard background with the shrink wrap around covering the the axe. One's torn, but they're both the same price. Which one are you buying? Because you want new, <laughs> so you're buying the new one. The problem is, is once the package tears, depending how it was stored, you might get discoloration of labels. You might get moisture in there that cause patina. Once there's patina or rust or water spots on the metal, it's no longer new. You can't you can't say that's new because you wouldn't buy it as new if you could go back into time. 
it, it would be damaged, damaged goods. Um, so I've also seen um, Norland was good about making sets. In other words, they would take like a camper, the camper axe, and maybe the Voyager or the saddle cruiser. I can't remember what I've seen. And they'd put them in a box set. So there would be a cardboard box with all the Norlin writing all over the box, the artwork, the little guy in a canoe. And then you open up the box and there'd be two axes in there. Or even some individual axes came in boxes, if I remember correctly. I've seen this stuff on eBay over, over time. Um, unfortunately, I've never been able to get my hands on one of those. Um, they have the camping set that looks a lot like the, the two temper, uh, Flint, we're not Flint Edge. What, what is it? The Kelly, that you're talking like the camping toolkit, like what yeah, I have? Yeah, the camping toolkit. Who, yeah. What brand is that? True Temper. True Temper. But it has then, so that's obviously the later, you're talking about in the 70s, the red head, and then it just has the Kelly foil label on it. Right. So I have, I have two of those boxes and one complete set. It has the Hunter's Hatchet, the Guide Saw, and a shovel in the box. And it's all Norlin. The only thing is the Norlin, the shovel does not say Norlin on it anywhere. It just says, uh, USA. Um, now there might have been a paper label on it. I don't know. I've never seen any other one of these sets to verify it. And then the hunter's hatchet does not have, it is new in every aspect of the word new, except for it does not have the Norlin sticker on it, which it should. So, and the boxes, both of them, are in very poor condition. Um, so even though the tools look new, and I the, the, the shovels is new as new could be, I can't put that set together and say that that's new old stock because it's obviously been slightly used or at least taken out of the box and and not stored properly to preserve the the box. And then Norlin towards the end, which was a recent discovery that I made through a purchase on eBay, the heads were encapsulated into a blister pack. Um, and I have, I have never seen this before. But if you think about it, it makes sense. When you get something in a blister pack, first thing you do is cut the blister pack apart and throw it in the trash, right? You don't save it. Gonzo, immediately. Gonzo. This one's still brand new in the package, in the original blister packaging. And it, it was the reason that, um, the reason why we discovered what the timeline was on Norland, genuine Norland versus Norland, and what came first. That was genuine Nor- didn't we discuss? I, I should go grab it. Genuine Norland was first. Yeah, because this says, <clears throat> this says just Norlin on it, but um, to me, that's that's new old stock. Now, there's some dust inside the packaging from time, so I guess, I guess you would have to downgrade it, <laughs> but... I don't know. In my mind, that's new old stock. 
Well, and again, I think sometimes you have to maybe, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe give a little bit of liberty with the actual item. So if we're looking at that piece there, that Norland that comes in that, that vacuum sealed or that plastic blister you know, pack, blister pack, because that was meant to hang on pegboard then. Is that right? Right. It's got a hole yeah. in it. Yeah. So that was meant to hang on a pegboard. So it was, you know, you could ship it, the, the hardware dealer or the store very easily then could take it, put it right on the pegboard. There it is for display for the customer. Now, if we're going to say, well, it has some dust inside it. So now technically, I mean, where do we stop splitting the hairs, right? Like, yeah. where do we, where do we say, all right, well, you know, enough is enough. And I don't know if you ever actually can, right? I mean, you can do as much as you want as far as critiquing, or you could be as, um, giving as you want, I guess. So, you know, one of the things I think with those Norlands, and I'll sort of play devil's advocate here is so you had those Norlands with the, the cardboard back. The Norland in there, whether it was the Saddle Cruiser, Voyager, whatever it was, the plastic. If you pull that axe out of there then, and that axe has never been touched, let's say it's been sitting up in the raft or something like that, no rust, no patina, no watermarks, no scratches, can you make the, can you make the argument then that the actual axe itself is new old stock, but it's just not in the packaging? Well, like we, have- we can, we can go down a million different roads here, and that's sort of what's scary. I actually have uh, quite a few of those. Um, I actually, this same, the uh, Voyager, the little hatchet, I have the same one in this display case that is absolutely new. I mean, there's, there's no use on it at all, but it, there's no packaging. Yeah. So, and we, I think it's safe to say that I don't know. I mean, maybe they didn't, they didn't have packaging always. I don't know. Right. We'll find out one way or another. Yeah. Why, why would they, why would they offer both? You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I don't know, but this, this other one I pulled out, I'm going to take a picture of. New, old stock, sort of, because the shrink wrap is torn and you can see there's discoloration in the, um, in the, the label. There's like some of the, some of the original paint on the head actually has uh, worn off from it being exposed to you know, the world probably bumped around stuff like that. So I guess it just depends on, on, uh, yeah, splitting hairs, like how deep you want to get. Yeah. So let's take a look at a few of these other categories then, because what's going to happen is that we can, we can spend an entire podcast talking about what actually new old stock means. I mean, we could do, we could probably spend four or five podcasts on that. But so we have these other categories then as far as, you know, tool grading, things like that. So let's talk about this. I'm going to read you a couple sentences here for then what would be the second in line, which they call mint. And it says very, very few tools are truly mint. 
tools were used, and once a tool has been used once or twice, it is not mint anymore. To us, mint means showing no signs of having ever been used and appearing in essentially the same condition as when it was new. The difference between mint and new is that mint tools can have a slight patina of a pleasant kind. A new tool should show no signs of age and should look like the day that it left the store. So mint is, uh, I guess, just right below, which I think is probably what a lot of the tools that guys categorize new old stock would probably be in that mint category. Could, what, what do we think about that? I, I would agree. I, I think a lot of, um, a lot of the axes we see <clears throat> fall into that mint category. Could we say then that we want to call this category then Miller Mint? <laughs> Miller Mint. Yeah. We could do, we could call it Miller Mint. Okay. It's got a good ring to it. That's right. Miller Mint. It's minty like Miller. Yeah. Um, so I think though, to your point, this is probably where a lot of these fall. And again, this is going to be subjective. It's going to be depending on the guy that you talk to and, and what they think. So, but if we sort of revisit that again, few tools are truly mint. Tools were used. And once a tool has been used once or twice, it is actually not mint anymore. So I think that that might be a key distinguishing factor. So you have your new old stock, which according to them is vacuum sealed on the day that it got to the store. Okay. So that, that's going to be few and far between new old stock. Then you got mint, which now according to this, and again, this is subjective. So it's not, you know, it's maybe been, you know, handled a little bit. There's a scratch in the paint. Maybe it's a little dirty, uh, maybe a little bit of a sign of patina, but it hasn't actually been used. It's never touched wood. There's your mint category, which I think is, is pretty accurate. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of these pieces. And that's probably then where my missing 90% now are going to fall in, right? They yeah. got a little bit of handling wear and tear, right? Just from, you know, being shipped, um, hands on them, stuff like that. A little bit of the paint is lost. Maybe some of the edges of the paper label is lost, stuff like that. But they've never actually seen wood. They still have the factory edge, the factory grind. You know, they still look great. Maybe just a little shade of patina on there. Those are going to be your mint category. Now, if we go down then one more. Now, this is where we get into the fine, F-I-N-E. A fine tool shows signs of careful, very moderate use, but absolutely no signs of abuse. A fine tool will have a pleasing overall patina. If applicable, more than 98% of the original finish should remain. Makes sense, right? So now we have something that has been cared for. But now I think where we get into this is now you get into those axes. And guess where we normally see, like you'll see a beautiful axe, the stamp, the imprint, whatever you want to call it, is awesome. The bit is in great shape. But then guess where the issue is? It's on the pole, right? Right. Somebody used that thing as a sledgehammer yep. for doing whatever, right? And you're like, oh, my God, that thing is beautiful, but look at that pole. Right. 
So I think that's maybe then where we get into this, you know, absolutely no signs of abuse. So to me, this would be, I think that you're going to see this in like a lot of those stamped axes, maybe some of the etched axes where they're great. You know, again, 98% original finish paint, whatever is there. A little bit of patina, but man, as soon as that pole gets dinged or maybe the toe or the heel, you know, gets a little wear and tear on it. Now we're not in that fine category anymore. So that can actually get a little, a little confusing there and is probably going to be up for debate and uh, subject to discussion, which is cool. That's fine. Now their next category then that they have is called G plus plus. And a tool that's in the G plus plus will show signs of very light use and no abuse. This grading is equivalent to what we often see being called mint or near new in tool auctions by many other dealers. I don't think that we want to go there. I think that we probably want to go to, again, if we're just talking about axes, because, again, there's going to be a lot of discussion, a lot of debate here. New, mint, fine, and then probably good. I I think this whole G++ G++ and G, I don't know if we want to go there. I think we have one more category. Other than good? Yep. Well, let's see what they describe good as. So they say good. A tool in good condition can show signs of considerable use, maybe some neglect, typically from less than optimal storage. Any signs of abuse should be very minimal, such as maybe some dents, etc. Tools in good condition should still have plenty of collector's appeal, with a nice patina and overall pleasing appearance. So to me, this sort of sounds like, you know, again, any signs of abuse should be very minimal. So now maybe that's where we get into um, a really good stamp and then a little bit of bashing on the pole, which is pretty hard to find, especially if you're out at flea markets, garage sales, stuff. You're going to find them that they're going to have a little bit of dings to them. Um, I think I think actually there's two more categories. So you're going to drop down one more and go with the user grade. All right. So they do have user grade on here. So let's take a look at that. I'll read to you what user grade. You tell me what you think. It says user grade. This is not a condition grading, but I often use the expression. User grade tools will probably not appeal to a collector's critical eye, but can still be a very usable tool. For example, a tool that has been overcleaned, unless it is extremely rare, is only valuable as a user. I I don't agree with that in the axe world. As far as um, extremely rare, even if you like, if you take a black raven and clean it up, it's still it's still worth X amount of dollars. Okay. I mean, unless you took a a potentially new old stock black raven stripped the paint off and did your own thing. Now you just kind of, you killed yourself because it would have been worth more in the original condition. But if you find a black raven, it's got rust on it and you clean it up. Um, you probably increase the value of it. That's where axes are different from the rest of this stuff. But so you get, you get down to me, user grade means just what that means. It's an insignificant axe, so to say. It's still got life in it. 
it may have pits or rust or whatever, but it's still usable. As in, you're going to put a handle on it, take it out and use it. So that, to me, that's user grade. The last category, not, not necessarily the, the lowest or highest, but I think that we should look at is restored because there's a lot of restoration going on in the Max world. So you, you almost have to, you can't ignore the restored category. Um, what it does to the value is all dependent on the person looking at it. It, it has nothing to do with anybody's opinion. It, it's, it's all in the, the end user or potential purchaser's mind. But restored is different than everything else that we just discussed. Can't call it new old stock because it's not. You can't call it fine because you've altered the original state of that axe. You could call it user, but it's user restored. And you, you couldn't call it good because, again, it doesn't have any of the original original factors to it. Most most restored axes are going to have new handles and, and potentially some head work done, maybe some paint, whatever. But we definitely have a whole other category there versus what we just discussed. Yeah, I would say that you're 100% correct because they sort of create their own beast in the in the restored piece because you could have a handle, no handle. You could have what what exactly does that restored mean? And obviously we've seen some guys do some some pretty crazy work with restoring heads. You know, did they was there an actual crack in the eye? They had to weld it. And by the time that they got done, you couldn't tell that there was a weld in there, right? right. With whatever that restoration process looks like. Um you know, did they put a new finish on there? Did they get one of those old axe heads and did they do some sort of new finish? Like we had talked about, you know, the polishing, um, the mirror finish. Uh, there's obviously there's different, there's parkerization, there's those different, you know, gray finishes, black finishes, whatever you want to talk about. What does that actually mean then in the, in the, I don't know, collector's eye for that axe? Right. And how do you, how do you differentiate that? So you really can't then do that. I guess, and then truly throw it in one of the categories because it is its own beast then. Yeah. Like you would almost have to say restored, and then I guess you could break it down into different categories if you really wanted to get crazy with it, which if I was a betting man, I would say that the majority of the axe community does not want to do that. No. And you could go, you could even grade restores, restorations, but I mean, I don't want to be the guy that puts that out there. <laughs> No, no, and and you know that's again that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to say that hey, this is, you know, this is the end all for how to grade an axe. But I think it's something that needs to be talked about. Um, well, it gives us it gives us a, a a starting point. You know, starting point for discussion. We'll we'll bring some more guys in on this and we'll see what we got. But so from what I'm sort of reading and what you and I are talking about here, could we say then that there's that there's five main categories. Like if we were just to do a quick breakdown, like someone presents you with a head and you're like, I'm going to put it in this one of these categories. We would say new. Number two would be Miller Mint. Mm -hmm. Number three would be fine. Number four would be good. And number five would be user. Yeah. Could we say at least for a start that that's where we could get going here? Yeah. 
I don't know if I necessarily do agree with five categories. I, I, I might cut that down to four. I don't know. I, again, it's all going to be subjective unless there's some law of the land, which, which we don't have, which is, I think, partially okay and partially just leads to confusion. So really then we, we would go and there would be six categories. Your six then being that restored acts and what that looks like. And again, that's going to be more personal preference than any of the other five. Right. Um, but so yeah, we would go new Miller mint, fine, good user. So I think that gives us a pretty good start. It does. It gives us, it gives you a, a reference to help you categorize what you just found. You know, what it means at the end of the day, that's, that's totally dependent on what you intend to do with it, really, and what the market will bear. Um, we, all of us together as a community, we set the price for these axes. We're, we're the reason why they are what they are. Um, if everybody stopped buying expen- expensive axes, then the axes would be cheap again because nobody's buying them. So we're, we're at fault for $500,000, Ravens. That's, that's all because of us. <laughs> so. That is true. No way of getting around it. Don't look into this grading system so deep that you're like, oh, you just ruined my, the value of my collection. Well, no, we really didn't because at the end of the day, we're not going to change anything. We're just, we're just trying to give a basis so somebody can look at what they have and say, all right, what would I categorize that as? You know, and I can look, I have a nice display going on my wall and I, I have, on the wall, I have one new old stock. No, probably two. That plum, uh, Tazzy, I, you got, you gave me. That's, that's definitely new. Can I have that back? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. No, but I have another, else? I have another one. I gave you the nicer of the two, come to think of it. Now, if we're going to go all grading scale and everything, what the heck? We'll trade if you want. No, that's fine. That's fine. I just need the piece. I, I don't care about the condition. Um, but then it, it, everything else, like I have, I have a plum, um, hewing axe that I know for a fact I was the first person to hang that axe. It never ever got hung. It never touched wood, nothing, but I still can't call it new old stock because it's got, uh, patina on the, on the bit from being exposed to oxygen and moisture over the years. Yeah. I think that point right there that you just made, that's where, if if we're talking about pushback coming on about what new old stock is, that's where you're going to get some pushback on because people are going to be like, listen, you never know, like in transport, if that acts, you know, again, what, what we're talking about today versus early 1900s, maybe even late 1800s, how long did it take an axe to get from Philadelphia to the West Coast by right. a rail car? I mean, I, I don't know that right off the top of my head. I don't know, a week, a few days at least. Yeah. Did that? You're telling me that no axe that ever made it out there didn't have a little spot of rust or something like that. Little right. by the time that it made it either to the logging camp or on the hardware floor. So could an argument be made? Be like, listen, man, this thing has never seen wood. There's not a scratch on it. The black paint is impeccable. The plum stamp is crisp. It's clean. 
It's got a little hint of patina down here in the one corner. It's not new old stock. Right. Is, is it? Maybe. I, I, you know, so. Splitting hairs at that point. I mean. You really are. It, it really depends on where we want to go with this. And I don't think that that is what we're trying to do is uh let's just talk about this a little bit and let's see what we can figure out. I mean. Then it comes we, down. It really comes down to opinion. It does, but then what's the point of having classes if we're going to leave it up to opinion? Well, this is the thing. Right. So I think it's about trying to marry the two together and say, can we get a little bit of a standardization, which in the axe world, I don't know. I mean, maybe I do need to create the scale, right? Well, Miller Mint and Miller Fine, Miller, I don't know, whatever we're going to call it. It doesn't matter. But it would be nice to sort of have that at least in some of the groups, um, that we have Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. You'll never see that adopted on eBay. And hey, it is what it is. You don't see that with any of the other tools. Guys are calling them whatever they want because they want to sell their product. Hey, I get it. Well, so. And here's the thing too, like the, the, the reference we used for this podcast, we don't know who these people are. Yeah, like, I mean, there, there's some tool guys that, you know, that, uh, Obviously have a, have a love for tools. Now, is this the end all say all? Is this right? Is this the industry standard or how does this work? But it's interesting to talk about because you, what your definition of fine is might be way higher or way lower than what mine is. If we're to just talk about it, right? Unless we get in there and start setting some standards as far as how much paint is left, what kind of patina or their marks on it, blah, blah, blah. And in the world of axes, obviously, as we've seen, I mean, sweet Jesus, just the ones that you see coming through. I mean, just think you're going to be like, all right, I got to put that into one of five categories technically. If, if I wanted to go there, like, oh, oh, man. So again, it's not something where we're trying to say that this is absolutely the way it's going to go. I just think it's really interesting from a, from a point of what is new, new old suck? What is mint? What, what does that mean? Like what is good and, you know, not everybody's going to agree with it. That's fine. It, it's cool. And, um, you know, we're not here trying to say that these are the the five categories and this is the way it's going to be. And, you know, I, again, as I said earlier, no one needs to go out and jump anybody on, on any social media platform about what they're saying this that, or the other is. That's not what this is about. This is about opening up a discussion and, and what this is all about. Because to me, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty fascinating. So. And maybe coming coming together as a community and coming up with a grading system, you know. Yeah, we'll have to look at that. And again, I don't, you know, how do you pick who is in on that or who's not, and who sort of decides and committee and, and all this. Brings up the question: Do we need one? Do we really need one? I mean, you could make an argument for that a bunch of different ways. Again, <laughs> it's at the end of the day, it's really up to. Whoever, if if you want to go, there's a bunch of different routes. You could go, well, this guy's a collector, and he's going to say that this is this category. All right, well, there's no there's no law that says it. He can't say it's that category. So is what it is. We'll figure it out one way or another. Uh, but that's what we wanted to talk about today, guys. So we appreciate everybody taking the time, listening to us. Again, this this discussion isn't perfect. This isn't uh, set in stone. So. This was just something that, that Killer and I had been sort of, you know, going back and forth about and just found it really interesting. So uh, if you have some comments, please, all means, leave them. What, you know, what's your two cents on this? 
You can leave them on the Legitimus Podcast Instagram. If you want to get a hold of me, Double Bit Axe Company on Instagram or on Facebook. Killer, where can the people reach you at? So I'm available on Instagram as Killinger Official. Um, also on Facebook, Killinger Official. And you can follow my YouTube channel. It's just Killinger. And you can reach out to me on any of those platforms. Cool. So, again, if you guys have any thoughts, uh, feedback, whatever it is, let us know. Again, this will be ongoing. We'll tweak this probably, uh, except for the Miller Mint scale. I think that's got to stay. That's, that's got to stay. One way or another. <laughs> um, but, hey, you we know, appreciate Miller, we appreciate really everybody. Is- it really is just a matter of you putting it out in writing and then it's, then it's, then it's the gospel. I know. I'm afraid to do that though. If you I'm, just I'm put it out there, then that's, that's what it's going to be. I'm scared. I'm scared. But if that's what the people want, if that's what the people want from the axe king, then I will be there to provide for the people. God, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> that's just all aside though, guys, like Miller's pretty humble, but. You gotta understand what this man does on a daily basis in the axe world is insane. No other person, I, if you, if you're out there and you're listening, oh, I got, I got Miller, I gotta do that. Come forward because this guy has more knowledge and more freaking information on all axes and everything axe related than any other man on the planet. Like if you were going to call an expert to verify Miller, You'd be getting his phone number because he is the end all be all expert when it comes to axes. And, and I say that not because we're friends, but because of the amount of time this man spends on research. So if he puts out a, uh, if he puts out the Miller grading scale, it's gospel. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we got to come up with a good, you know, we'll have to have some better names than fine and good and user, I guess maybe. We'll see how that all goes, but let's wrap this up. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Leave some feedback, like we said, on the various platforms. Let us know what you think. I have a feeling that we'll be talking about this again at some point, uh, which is fine and uh, more the merrier. So, Killer, any finally or any uh, final words, my man? Just that uh, we welcome your guys' opinions and, and facts or whatever. You know, if if we said something in this podcast that you don't agree with, please um, tell us, you know, this is a discussion. It's not a it's not a ruling. I uh, can't agree more. So we appreciate everybody listening. We're going to wrap this up. New old stock. Legitimus podcast out. See you.